You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Let's pray together. Father, we give you glory for you deserve and own all of it. Father, just as it was displayed on the screen from your word, God, worthy, worthy are you to receive honor and praise. Father, we thank you for the reality that you are who you say you are. God, that as we trust and lean into you, we will not find ourselves lacking, but indeed we will have all that we need. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this special weekend that we get to gather together. And we ask that our time in your word would be fruitful and transformative. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to MCC this Sunday morning. Our grandparents, parents, grads, we're excited to see you here in the first few rows and extended out. Beyond that, our college students that are back from break, we're glad to see you. Those that are returning, we're glad to see you this morning. Those that are new, we are glad to see you today because there's a lot happening right here and I am delighted to be able to share in God's word as we get ready to dive into that and to see that he has something more for us our lives. I don't know about you, but I find myself during graduation, transition season to be in a lot of different places mentally and a lot of places emotionally. Maybe for our parents, our grandparents, you understand that weight right now, brothers and sisters, thinking about your family member going off to school or going off to the military or going into the workforce and not being home. There's, there's a lot of angst that comes with that. Yes, there's a lot of excitement in this season that we get to see our children. We get to see those that we've loved grow up and to experience the things that are beyond high school or to be able to have opportunities past college now. But there's also this underlying, I'll call it fear. Um, there's this underlying angst for me of do they have what they need? Do they have what they need to be prosperous have they been equipped to be able to work through the world on their own? It's no coincidence this week that in our F260, we found ourselves in Proverbs chapter three and throughout the book of Proverbs as we learned how Solomon presses into his son what he truly needs to know. And my hope is that as we grab our Bibles now, as we open up to Proverbs chapter three, that we will see that there is an equipping for our lives, there's an equipping for our graduates' lives that is more than just personal gain, but it is rather the pursuit of God, his holiness, and the plan that he has for our lives. You see, the book of Proverbs is this window to see events, situations, people even, as God sees them. It's looking at matters pertaining to conduct and relationships, wealth, generosity, discipline, wisdom, character. And as we're going to see today, and as we look through the lens of God's word, we're going to be challenged in some things that we see a certain way and the way that God sees them. And so our first question that we need to ask ourselves is, do we want God's will for our life? Dan alluded to that a little bit about how we approach God in his holiness and how within our sin, it can be oftentimes very difficult for us to do that because we feel as if we are not worthy. 
to approach God in that way. We feel like we have disqualified ourselves from being able to engage God's plan that he has for our life. Or even within our sinful nature, we have to wrestle with, do I want God's plan for me? Or am I more comfortable in pursuing the things that I want for me? And this is where God's word takes us in Proverbs chapter three. Verse one, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands on your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and of man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. There has been this mantra in our culture over the last decade or so that has come to the surface about if I truly believe in myself, then I can accomplish anything. We see it within our social feeds. We hear it from counselors in our world that have this idea that if I believe enough, if I try enough, if I work hard enough, then anything that I want, I can achieve. And there is some truth to that. That we cannot live our lives with our feet kicked up and hoping that everything comes to us. But friends, graduates, let me encourage you today that your hard work, your trying to get it done, your greatest hopes are nothing in comparison to what God can do through you on the path of prosperity that he has planned for you. And many of us learn that the hard way by trying to forge our own way, create our own path. And what God has said here is that if we trust in him with all of our heart, that if we lean not on our own understanding and that we submit to him, he will make our paths straight. We need to know that God's plan is bigger than just our will, our strength, because there's gonna be moments in our life when everything crumbles when the bottom falls out. And we have to be reminded when the family member gets the diagnosis that we don't want, when we lose the job that we think is our identity, when our school situations change, when our identity is challenged or our plans fall through in general, of the hope that we have in God's plan and not my own grit or strength. See, the true path to prosperity, the thing that we really need is found in the pursuit of God. He's the source of it all. He's the alpha and the omega, as we just talked about. The one who put everything into motion and has every day planned and recorded. Tell me, what do we really know about the truth of creation? What about life after death? What are the facts about what it means to be a man or a woman? Not just what we're told, not just what we hear, but what does the author and creator say about those things? And if I'm not in pursuit of that, then I'm gonna find myself in many different directions trying to come up with my own thought or plan or idea of what that is from what I've heard or what I've experienced. But Proverbs chapter 14, listen to this. It says that there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. 
our culture, our world individually, we have experienced this time and time again when we thought that what we were doing was the right thing. It made logical sense. It seemed safe. But in the end, it led to death. It led to separation from God. It led to disappointment over and over again. It led to us questioning really what our identity is because we've chased the prosperity of our own heart rather than the purpose of what God has for us. Last fall, I received a call from one of our college students up at Notre Dame. She's in the room this morning. It was her freshman year, and uh, she walked into philosophy class. Anybody take a philosophy class in college? Yes, I can hear your grievous groans as you think back to your first philosophy class. But within this philosophy class, she was listening to the professor share about the pursuit of happiness. And within the textbook, one of the things that was claimed is that to truly be happy, we need to focus on ourselves and our desires and the things that we want. Now, that's a paraphrase. I'm sure it was much more philosophical than that. But that was the core of it. That for me to be happy, I have to choose the things that are of me. And again, there's some truth there that if I go after the things that I enjoy to do, I'm going to naturally be happy, right? But have we not seen the decay of that over the generations? That as we have pursued the things that have made us happy, instead of pursuing the things that have made us holy in the Lord, have we not seen the decay of our decision-making and of our culture and of our families? I pursue prosperity when I pursue God's word and not my own experience. The student asked me, she said, David, I don't think that pursuing joy from within is really going to get me there. I've heard you say it. I've heard it from the Bible that to pursue pure joy, happiness is, is from the Lord, the giver of those things. In fact, it's literally one of the fruits of the spirit described in Galatians chapter five. That God gives us joy when we pursue and lean into his spirit. And we discover how we can do this, not just through our willy-nilly exploration of him in our time of worship or our time where we sit into some Bible studies. We sit in that and we learn of it when we spend time in his word. Personal devotion to him. His word is the very lamp unto our feet. It's the light unto our path. And the danger of leaning into our own experiences or our own things that we try to manufacture is that we're going to find ourselves leaning a lot of times on our own feelings rather than the facts of who God is or the situation that we're currently in. I don't know about you, but I know for me, I have found myself stuck in that many times where there is a past hurt. There is a broken relationship. There is a heightened amount of feelings that have kept me from moving past bitterness and into relationship. Maybe even you have been hurt by situations in the past that have left you guarded against even being open to someone that wants to extend a hand of help or even to the God who has called your name over and over again and yet you continue to not accept his invitation to be called his son or daughter. Look again to the plea in Proverbs chapter three. It says, keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. 
Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Remind yourself of them. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Here's the truth. God is not hidden from us. God has made himself available. He's made himself available through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross so that sinful people like you and me can approach him. We can approach him with confidence covered by his blood. He's made himself available through his Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and teaches us. He's made himself available through his word that has and will continue to stand the test of time. It is without error and we can lean completely into it. But if we are not pursuing these things daily, if we're not searching after these things with our heart and our mind, we're gonna find ourselves coming up short. We're gonna find ourselves running dry spiritually. And I think that's one of the plagues that we experience even as students leave from high school and go into college because the demands of what it is that you can do and the freedom that you then have, whether it's college or the workforce, seems so much more broad. And if you're not grounded and rooted and established in the discipline of searching after the Lord and seeking after him in your quiet time or pursuing him with connection with other people, then you're gonna find yourself checked out very quickly. And you're gonna run dry spiritually. And that's just not a college student and an adult thing. That's across the board, I think, within our churches today. That we live this life where we come in, we get our fix on the weekends, and then we try to live out of the overflow of that until we come back next week. It doesn't work. It's not God's plan. God's desire is that we would spend intentional time in pursuit of him, the one who is the giver of all things. I'll tell you, I love connection within the local church. I love some of the things that I have seen this past week, like Rob and Cheryl Mitchum, who grieved the loss of Cheryl's father. And she sent a note and she said, I thank our small group. Do you hear that? It's not, I thank the pastor, right? I thank our small group, these people that have come around side of us with desserts and cards and trips for love and support. It matters when our children are in the hospital, like some are right now watching from Floyd and watching from Norton's, to have small group leaders, to have other parents, to have individuals dropping off meals, encouraging notes, thoughtful text messages and calls, those things matter. But I will tell you, your personal time with the Lord your pursuit of him and his word and your personal relationship with him in the courtyard of your campus, on your lunch breaks, in the speakers of your car, that is how you grow in depth of wisdom and how your life truly prospers. People will come and go. Moments will come and go. Experiences will happen. But God's word is not going anywhere and his spirit is always with you. Look at verse seven. Don't be wise in your own eyes. It says, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. 
That verse reminds me of King David when he wrote in the Psalms about how when he kept sin inside of him, it was as if his bones were decaying from the inside out. He talks about how he felt as if he was eroding from the inside out, but that when he brought his sin before the Lord, that he felt his body was healed from the inside out. This is what God's word is doing in our life. This is what his wisdom does is when we apply it to our life, it transforms us. It provides nourishment to our life. Goes on in verse nine, it gets really practical. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Here's what God's pressing in through Solomon's words to his son, is that I pursue prosperity through the practice of giving away what has been entrusted to me. In all of our ways means more than just our time. It means everything that God has given to me, I trust him with. It's trusting him with my heart when my heart desires something that is not of his desires and I surrender it and say, God, I trust your plan for this more than my desires. It's trusting him with my physical body, saying, God, I trust the way that you've created me. I trust the identity that you have given me in my mother's womb. It's trusting his voice that when the voices of the world are beckoning and calling you in a thousand different directions that are contrary to the word of God, you know his voice and you listen to it, even if that makes you different in your classroom or your workplace or within your ball fields, you give him it all. Includes my wealth, my home, my car, the couple dollars that I've got left in my wallet, it's not mine. It belongs to him. And when I give that to him, he will do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine with it. That's what this is teaching us, is that when I give away intentionally what I have been entrusted with, there will be a replenishment that comes. Barns overflowing, that's brimming. I pursue prosperity when I obey him with my life. As a student, a parent, grandparent, husband, father, wife, mother, God has invited you to his plan here on earth. Not just a distant plan, a plan that is right here and now. But in order for us to truly understand and accept that plan that we have, we need to be willing to trust him. Not just in these good moments of our life and the things that we do, but we need to be willing to trust him as he redirects us, as he rebukes the things that are happening in our life, as he calls us towards holiness. Look at verse 11. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Hear these words from a father to a son. Hear these words from our heavenly father to us today that God knows you 
and he knows the plans that he has for your life and he wants to lead you down that path, which means there's going to be difficulty in your life as he is directing you towards that within your waywardness away from that. And I have to be convinced in those moments that he's worth all of it. I have to be convinced that I know who and whose I am. It's one of the things that I've shared with students over many different ways at camps, in living rooms, in moments of hard breakups. It's that they need to be reminded that they are not their own, that they were bought at a price, that the who they are is directly connected with the who's that they belong to that God has an ownership of their life. He's purchased it and made it known that within his grace and mercy, they can prosper from the ashes of defeat that they found themselves in and be able to walk in the new freedom that he has granted them. That they can truly know that they are an heir to the king. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? He says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. All of it. Jesus said it clearly in his ministry on earth. He said, There will be times when your trust is tested. There will be times when the wind and the waves continue to toss back and forth and you have to know and be rooted and established in what it is that God says that you are. That he will teach you and lead you through every roadblock, through every snag, through every trial and that you can focus on what he's doing through it rather than what it is in front of you. Perhaps today, you find yourself as a student, as a grandparent or a parent, wondering what is my next step with this? How do I truly pursue this prosperity that God has in store for me? Not in riches or big houses or having the most influence, but in the prosperity of knowing who and whose that I am as a father knows me then today you need to anchor yourself into the hope of Jesus Christ, the one that's made a way for you through the cross of salvation. Last night, Joe Dieta, at the end of service, he came and he met with me right here in the front row and he said, I've been trying to do it on my own for a really long time. I can't love my kids the way that I need to love them. I can't be the dad that I need to be. I can't be the worker that I need to be without God's Holy Spirit. And he walked from here and he walked directly up to the thing and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. That's worth celebrating, that he surrendered himself to Jesus. Maybe that's you today. It's ready for you. But I also want us to be intentional with our grads. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to invite them to make their way up, coming on this side and this side, and they're going to stand before you, and we're going to have an opportunity to pray over them. Pray for God's spirit that will lead and guide them in this next step of their life. To pray that his will would be more than their own desires. And I will tell you, I am so grateful to be a part of a body that loves students well. That we literally had to split them in half this weekend because we couldn't fit them all on the stage to be able to pray over them. 
And so you're gonna get to hear from them in their life about the things that God is doing, not just in the time that they spend here, but the time that they spend in college, in the workforce, in the time that they spend in loving people well, in the career that they get to do. But students, I wanna press into you, just as we've heard from God's word today, to lean not on your own understanding. That your ways would not be made by your own strength and power your own desires, but that you would submit your life to a God that knows you, that's planned and purposed your life, that the families that sit in these first few rows, they are just the beginning of God's family that he has entrusted to you to be able to encourage you and to walk alongside you. And I will tell you for your parents and your grandparents that sit here today, there are many things that they hope for you. But I hope the greatest thing that they hope for you is that you would follow the Lord with your whole life. And so church, let's extend a hand and pray that over them now. Lord, we thank you for what you have done in the lives of these students, that you've made a way for them to know you through the cross of Jesus Christ. God, that you've opened their eyes to the belief and trust in you. And God, as they step into this next part of their journey in life, and in pursuit of your plan, I pray, Lord, that you would remind them over and over again of who you are and, God, whose they are in you. Father, that the prosperity that they seek would not come from pursuing the many things, but rather it would come from pursuing you. Father, I pray that they would be grounded in what it is that you have done in their life. God, when tested in the many things of life, that they would find themselves coming back to you over and over again to the truth of who you are and what you've done. Father, for our parents and grandparents that look on today with feelings all over the board, I pray that you would remind them that you have their children, their loved one. You have them in your sight. God, that you have not forgotten. And God, that you are very present in it. Father, thank you for a season of being able to invest in the lives of these students. Thank you for their willingness to say yes and to trust God, you, in every moment of their life. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We celebrate our grads as they return to their seats. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing a response to who God is as he reigns over all things. If you need to make a decision about who Jesus is in your life, I encourage you to come and meet with me at the cross or Brandon at the Next Steps area.